This is the DLR Cast, the essential podcast for fans of Diamond David Lee Roth. All right, welcome to the DLR Cast. We are psyched you're here. I'm joined with my good friend Darren Paltrowitz. Hello, Darren. Hey now. I, I, I can still do that, right? Absolutely. It's, okay. We've yet to get a cease and desist from that. So, uh, you know, <laughs> I, I don't know if Howard Stern's paying royalties on that, but uh, to, to the Gary Shantler. Uh, you know, the uh, Gary Shandling show or Larry Sanders show, whatever. But, you know, I, it's always good. Good. Well, great to connect as always, Steve. Yeah. So we've got a really cool guest. Uh, and this was a hell of a lot of fun, this conversation. We've got Nick Newman from the Rock and Wrestling Podcast. And Darren, you were my introduction to this guy. So let's uh, uh, kick it off. Tell me about him. Nick is one of the people that I met last year. When I was promoting my book, Good Advice from Professional Wrestling, cheap plug, no pressure right <laughs> there. You also had me on your podcast, and that's kind of how we connected besides writing some stuff about your day gig. But Nick is a great guy. He's had me on his podcast since then. He really bridges that gap between rock and wrestling, which is very, very much there, but most people don't realize is there. And Kind of like what you talk about in the middle of the interview, a lot of the biggest rock stars of all time, when you watch them, you kind of have to go, wait a second. I think there's some wrestling influence there. And that came up in our chat. Yeah. And when I think of that a little bit more, I mean, certainly a lot of those uh, there's a lot of wrestlers that were influenced by rock and rollers, too, depending on, you know, when they wrestled. So it's always to me, it's been like this very symbiotic sort of evolutionary relationship. And it was a hell of a lot of fun talking to Nick about it. He is a nice guy. He knows his stuff. This is also a different kind of uh, interview for us. A lot of the people are a lot older than Nick. So they probably grew up where they had Van Halen one from an older brother or something like that. Nick discovered the band in a more organic way, but he's kind of a, an encyclopedia and he when he's interested in something, he goes back and learns everything about it. So unique approach. And that's going to be very different than what you heard on our Limousine Beach episode, the Steve Brown episode, all these great interviews we've been doing. I love it. Like I said, it was a lot of fun. Hope everyone enjoys enjoys uh, this conversation with Nick Newman of the Rock and Wrestling Podcast. I think they're going to. Thank you for listening. You've got a podcast that I'm a big fan of called rock and wrestling podcast do you put the or do you say the rock and wrestling podcast or do you take out the it changes from it changes from week to week i think i think it, it, it's like a wrestling promo what, what am i feeling like this week are they smashing pumpkins or the smashing pumpkins we still don't know yeah exactly yeah it's, you know it, is it the rock is it rock that's kind of what i go with Exactly. So you've got this great show that ties in together the rock and wrestling connection, which was a great term in the 80s there. But what was your first entry point into Van Halen and David Lee Roth? Well, this is I've got an interesting introduction to Van Halen and David Lee Roth. Believe it or not, my introduction to Van Halen wasn't Roth. It was the Sammy era because my dad had those CDs. And believe me being a lot younger, uh, they had this channel called MTVX and they played music videos and it came up one day, Van Halen. I was like, that doesn't sound like the Van Halen I know. I'm like, that sounds like a completely different band. And my dad was like, well, yeah, that was their original singer, David Lee Roth. I'm like, 
that band looks a lot more fun than the other Van Halen that I've been listening to. And that was kind of my introduction. I believe the, the, it was the Panama video. I was like, okay, this is the kind of band that I like. I'm like, the Hagar stuff is great. And I'm like, David Lee Roth, you know, the Jack Daniels bass, Michael Anthony, the whole works. I'm like, now this is my kind of band. It was it David Lee Roth of Van Halen before Kiss or after Kiss? Because I know you're a big Kiss guy like we are. It was after Kiss. Kiss was my first introduction to rock and roll. So that, the, that came much late, later. The actual first Van Halen record I ever got of my own was 1984. And I still, Van Halen purists get on me all the time. They're like, no, that's not even their best record. There's too much keyboards. There's, you know, I'll wait and all this. But I'm like, but there's Panama, Drop Dead Legs. I'm like, Hot for Teacher. I'm like, top to bottom. I'm like, how can you hate 1984? I didn't know until a couple of weeks ago that Michael McDonald co-wrote I'll Wait. Did you know that all along? Am I the last person to figure that one out? I'm just learning that right now. I had no idea that Michael McDonald wrote I'll Wait. I mean, that, that, I mean, it has a very Michael McDonald, you know, tendency to that song. So I could see that, but I had no clue. I guess I better do a better job of reading my liner notes. <laughs> He d he did indeed have the co-write on that. I forgot about that. I know there's some interesting backstory behind that, but let's face it: unless you hear Michael McDonald's voice on it, how would you know, right? I mean, because he was virtually in I don't know every single pop song from <laughs> doing backup vocals from the late '70s oh, yeah. into the early '80s. So you know, yeah, I wouldn't have had a clue, like you said, unless he unless you actually heard his voice. I would have never guessed. I'll wait, but I mean. That, that makes sense out of one song out of 1984 that he would go write on. He would write it would be that one. And can you hear in your head the Michael McDonald impression of the chorus? Can you, can you hear that? <laughs> oh, wait. I mean, I've never really good impression of that. But. Glad you tried that before I did, Darren. <laughs> oh, wait. Sorry. I couldn't resist it. Yeah. With, this is not the Michael McDonald cast, though. It is the DLR cast. Yeah, <laughs> I, that's yeah. I think we're getting a little off track there if we go down that road. <laughs> and then with uh, David Lee Roth's solo career, did you get into it first with just a gigolo? <laughs> no, I, I believe it or not, me being younger, I get introduced to these things via different mediums all the time. I got introduced to David Lee Roth's solo through the Grand Theft Auto video game series. The Vice City series had yankee rose on it and i was like okay i know that's david lee roth but i'm like that doesn't sound like van halen so i look up like i think in the the, the game notes it, it had the soundtrack listing and it said david lee roth yankee rose and i'm like when did he go solo i'm like oh, i mean this sucks being so young i'm like i missed all this stuff i didn't even know he went solo so then you go and you go oh my god eating him smiling him to me i'll put the argument is almost better than the van halen 51 50 they're both great records but i mean Eat Em and Smile Em is almost a classic Van Halen record. You could almost see it fit in. That would have been what came after 1984. Certainly sound-wise and energy-wise, it's, it's and not just Dave's voice, but it was so much more organic and just harder and heavier than 5150. It, to me, it always sounded like kind of a natural evolution. Um, Ted Templeman, of course, produced it. But you bring up a real interesting point in that um, for so many people, you know, 
gaming introduced so you know introduced classic rock and hard rock music to so many people otherwise may not have found out about it because it was really before kind of Spotify and other things took off. YouTube was around stuff, but there was no radio. I mean, for the most part, people playing games were not into, I shouldn't say there was no radio, but people playing games were not into radio. And MTV, you know, was more for, I think a lot of folks was kind of the answer to a trivia question. There was once a cable channel that played music (laughs) all the time. And you're definitely, I mean, I think obviously you fit in that realm. I mean, I know a lot of people who heard you know people say 30 and younger who learned you know learned about rush or van halen or cheap trick or so, so many things that we heard on classic rock radio for so long and you just wonder if it wasn't for it wasn't for video games for for a period of years if they would have found out about this stuff at all yeah i'm i'm being 31 i'm right in that niche where i kind of remember the old music video, music television, but discovered bands, like you mentioned, through gaming or other avenues. Because like, like I mentioned, how I discovered David Lee Roth, Van Halen, was a TV channel called MTVX. And it was because regular MTV didn't play music videos, but we had the extreme cable package. So it was one of the channels where I just sat there all day and watched it in rotation, rotation. And my friends would be like, what are you, why are you just watching music videos i'm like because i might discover a new band i mean going down the wormhole i mean i discovered like helix and Britney fox and all oh man <laughs> all kinds of stuff through that so yeah it, i'm right in that wheelhouse where i'm like i still love the classic music videos but i had to grow with the times and learn to find music other routes too because tradition the traditional way had gone away when i was by the time I hit my teenage years, the traditional way model was gone. Yeah, sad but true on that end. So you mentioned Eat em and Smile before. Is that your favorite album in the Roth discography? If we're counting solo, that would I would say if we're if we're including his Van Halen Van Halen years, man, that's a that's a tough tough pick, man. I should have really. Because I, I love love them. The one thing that I always compare Van Halen to is I'm like, Van Halen, David Lee Roth had great songs. And I always felt that there were maybe one or two songs that were kind of, to me, were kind of blah. And the Hagar records were always top to bottom really good. Like the, the deep cuts on the Hagar ones were like, oh, this, why wasn't this the single? This is so good. Versus the Roth records where you're like, man, this song kills. But there's a couple of deep tracks where you're like, Maybe they should have cut that and left that on the studio recording floor. I always felt that way. But if I'm going all Van Halen or solo, I would say probably my favorite is it's still the first one because it's the one top to bottom. Van Halen one, I can listen to that top to bottom just because every song is so good on that record. I remember a weird factoid that when The Offspring was doing a tour 10 or 12 years ago, they, for some reason, had just discovered Van Halen, and they were talking about how they were going to cover Atomic Punk on their next tour because they thought it was the worst song they had ever heard. I have no idea how that came about, but I think it's a nonstop, top-to-bottom classic still that doesn't sound like 1978. It could have been recorded last week, if you think about it. Yeah, my infatuation, especially with the early Van Halen and David Lee Roth stuff, was like, Roth is... Motley Crue is another one of my favorite bands and Vince Neil's even to especially today is not the world's greatest singer 
David Lee Roth is not the world's greatest singer, but the showmanship that you see, especially, I love the 1983 Us Festival. And people are like, that's the worst performance. I'm like, no, but that is classic <laughs> David Lee Roth, missing half the words, but he's jumping around and entertaining. And you can see people for miles and miles and miles don't care that he's missing the words. They're like, this is awesome. I'm seeing Van Halen. He's probably as drunk as the rest of us. That's what makes it even better. <laughs> and on the end of your podcast, Kiss usually comes up a lot. I know that you've interviewed a lot of people that I have, like Steve Brown from Trickster, who will be appearing on a future episode or maybe a past episode by the time that comes out. Steve, you'll, you'll help figure out the, the time travel on that one. Has <laughs> David Lee Roth come up in any of your recent interviews with guests on the Rock and Wrestling podcast? I'm trying to, you know, he came up, he's come up a couple of times. Steve, me and Steve Brown talked about it a little bit because we talked a lot about that. I guess, what was it? Maybe two or three years ago, the Edom and Smiling Band almost did the little reunion show. They had like right. the jam night at the bowling alley and then the fire marshal showed up and said, there's too many people in here. So we talked about that because I think Steve said he was, you know, knows Billy and knows Steve pretty well. And they, that had come up, but, you know, it comes up, you know, Frankie Kanzarian from AEW, we had talked a little bit about Van Halen, but it's always weird because everybody has such an admiration for the David Lee Roth that sometimes I focus more on the Hagar because it's so, I don't want to say underrated, but goes under the radar. But I, I, I'm one of those weird guys where I don't pick a side. I love them equally both because I think, they're both good in what they are. I mean, still my favorite Van Halen song of all time is Unchained. I mean, that riff and everything about that song is just incredible. It's, you bring up an interesting point in that I think the Hagar stuff, which I do like, uh, there's a lot of it I really like, um, has kind of faded a bit, mainly I think because those songs, those albums just don't have, pardon the pun, the legs, the drop dead legs, terrible pun, but uh, <laughs> or it just really hasn't had the staying power. I mean, I guarantee you, if you look up radio playlists and any statistics uh, on airplay that in the last 10 years, let's say, why can't this be love has got nowhere near the amount of plays as Jamie's crying got, or certainly mm -hmm. jump or unchain. Like you mentioned, I mean, I'd be, I mean, uh, I'm completely spacing off the single off of the balance record, but there's a good indicator, you know, which is what the last, so the last uh, record they did full record with Hagar. I mean, uh, you know, pound cake, how many plays does that get? I mean, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not dissing uh, Sammy's love for very rich foods and his lyrics by any stretch of the imagination. Um uh, <laughs> You know, but you party the way you need to party. And Sammy's, you know, the equivalent of the Jimmy Buffett of hard rock and roll. And God bless him. He has $153,999,000 more than I do, basically. Uh, which is a long way to tell you, actually, that I really do admire and like Sammy. And, and many years ago in a previous life, got to hang with him for one of his solo records. Uh, and he, but I, even Sammy's solo stuff, let's say, I mean, there's a couple big hits, but um I just, you know, I, I don't know if Sammy's stuff, rightly or wrongly, has gotten has really gotten its due. Uh, no matter how many, uh, no matter how many arguments you follow on any message board anywhere when it comes to this subject. Yeah, it's it's interesting that you that is true because you could turn on classic rock radio and there's maybe one or two Hagar songs that get regular rotation versus the DR, you know, David Lee Roth stuff gets, you know, 
there's at least one song from every record that's played in classic rock radio. The interesting thing, though, about it is they never had a number one record with David Lee Roth. Right. They had a couple, or at least one, I know, with Hagar, which is so interesting that that material doesn't get the love on classic rock radio. But on the other side, they never had that number one record. So I, it's interesting, the dynamic they, with the two singers. They came close, close with Roth. If I remember my statistics correctly, I think 1984 was blocked from the top album spot uh, by Michael Jackson's Thriller. So, <laughs> Tough one I to mean, <laughs> yeah, I mean, how many weeks in a row is that number one, right? Yeah, it also uh, kept out Pyromania out of the number one spot. You know, the other thing too is, I mean, let's face it, those, that first Van Halen record, um, there was nothing to this day ever like it. I mean, that was as groundbreaking as any hard rock album as you can get. I mean, that just spawned, it was, the, let's just leave it right there. It was as groundbreaking of a debut as any hard rock album ever. I mean, you could, there's a few others you could name in that, in that little basket, but yeah. I mean, and that still blows people's minds. It's still like nothing anyone's ever heard. And not just Eddie's guitar, but just that whole attack coming at you. I mean, all those albums with Dave had such a soul to them, you know what I mean? And you could dance to a lot of them, which was, which was kind of Dave's MO too. In addition to Eddie's, you know, insane guitar, which nobody had ever heard before, and Michael's backup vocals. I mean, yeah. it really was just kind of the perfect package. Well, being a guitar player myself, the, the, you know, especially the David Lee Roth stuff, it's, I, he matured as a, a guitar player later on. Like he wasn't as wild in the Hagar years, but man, he's all over the place in the day, the, the early records. And still to this day, if I'm in, in any type of band, any type of jam, they go, Hey, do you know uh, this Van Halen song? And for some reason, he's the one guitar player where for me, I just go, yeah, you're going to have to choose a different band because I, can't <laughs> <do it. laughs> I just can't do it. I'm like, you know, Slash is my favorite guitar player and I'm more of a bluesy thing. And I've, I've tried for hours on end to learn a Van Halen song, but I'm like, this is just so hard. I'm like, and what's so incredible is he doesn't have conventional riffs like other guys. So it's so interesting where Dave is not this traditional singer, but he's able to pick up these great, you know, I wish I could have been a fly on the wall when they're recording these records because his riffs are not conventional by any stretch. And I wonder how much they worked with him in the studio going, well, here's the melody here. Well, I don't hear it. And, you know, I just would love to have been a fly on the wall because the Van Halen guitar style is just so unconventional. Dave having to sing over it must have, couldn't have been easy when he first was getting, when they first got together. Yeah, and totally aside from everything here, do you know anyone who's ever met David Lee Roth? I don't know personally anybody that's ever met Dave. No, I've never... I don't think I've encountered. I know people that have met Sammy, especially being from Northern California. He's up here all the time. So I actually have a couple of uh, mutual friends that have ran, but never Dave. Dave's that, he's that, that's what I've always liked about him. He's that, he's that rock star. And I, and I had sent when we were setting this up, I, my favorite David Lee Roth quote of all time is he's on MTV. You can tell he's, probably had some some fun before he got into the interview because they ask him what his musical influences are and he goes well I really don't have musical influences I'm just influenced by people people like Genghis Kong or the guy who invented McDonald's cheeseburgers <laughs> and I'm like okay that is an amazing quote because I I just remember that to this day <laughs> Of course, if you ask him that question an hour later, or a week later, or a month later, the answers could have been completely and utterly different, right? I mean, that's, you know, 
that's what's so great about it. I remember, I think I was in junior high when they did the David Lee Roth Sammy tour together. And that when it all started, the wheel started falling off, you know, Sammy's, oh, I tried to have him come out and do a song and, you know, and just classic Dave being a rock star goes, well, Sammy throws a great party. I am the party. <laughs> so this, this is a perfect jumping off point being, uh, being, you know, your podcast, the Rock and Wrestling Connection podcast, because Dave has brought this up before years ago. I've heard in interviews that, you know, hard rock and everything that goes, the controversies between Dave Van Halen is very much pro, you know, is like pro wrestling, right? Uh, you know, Dave's kind of there letting you know about the kayfabe, right? I mean, what, you know, and, um, and so especially the whole thing with Sammy and Dave, and that's probably a whole different other con, uh, that's, that's definitely a different episode because, as much as a Dave fan as I am, I'm not a total fanboy because I saw that tour and I was disappointed. It would have been absolutely perfect for Dave and Sammy to just, I mean, for crying out loud, you know, I mean, occasionally the Palestinians and the Israelis will agree on a couple of things. They could have got out on the goddamn stage together and it just blew my mind. It's like, you know, come on, Dave, right? I mean, give us a break here. This would have been perfect. I, I see what you did there, Steve. Yeah. But here's what, here's what I'm getting at because for me, uh, and I'm sure with a lot of other folks, and I just want you to tell me whether or not uh, I'm crazy, Nick. But so my love of Van Halen and discovering Dave and other artists, but especially Dave, kind of dovetailed as I was kind of um, kind of getting a little bit beyond wrestling. So my favorite wrestlers as a kid were superstar Billy Graham, Jesse Ventura, these guys that were just big and over the top. And I'm pretty sure Dave might have wore some tights that look like superstar Billy Graham's, right? I mean, so, you know, so there was this whole visual thing to me. Plus, these guys were great on the microphone. They were total showmen. And I just wonder if so many, and and of course, later on, so many wrestlers use rock as their entrance music and hard rock stuff. But I just, I think people... Had, disagree with me if you want but i just think that's another thing that has influenced people's so you know rock taste because uh, is pro wrestling i mean not just what they're hearing but i think also from a visual and show showmanship point if you're drawn to that stuff listen if you're totally into prog rock god bless if you've got the time for 11 minute solos i get it that's just not i've got add sometimes but so I'm not denigrating that at all, but I think for a lot of people who like this kind of music, it's the stuff that's right in your face. So, I mean, I knew kids when I was a freshman in high school, shout out the devil came out. And, uh, and I remember my, one of my closest friends at the time, uh, you know, two years before we used to do wrestling cards in his basement. Right. And mm-hmm. now he, all he wanted to talk about was Motley Crue shout out the devil. I mean, so to me, there was this evolution. There was this progression for so many kids who got into it. Tell me I'm not crazy. You're not at all. No, I, my favorite bands of all time, Motley Crue, Guns N' Roses, Van Halen, uh, Kiss, have that larger than life. You know, I could care less if you can play a million notes an hour. What it, like, oh, look at, you know, like you mentioned, prog rock. I love Rush as much as the next guy, but I don't need to hear a 17 minute song. Like you're going to, you're going to lose me. Like I want a three minute in your face, larger than life kind of thing and I told Darren this story but I'll tell you how I got into rock and roll was because of wrestling at the time there we go (laughs) world championship wrestling had done a licensing deal with kiss and they were going to have kiss characters on their programming and I they had a guy dressed up like Gene and they called him the demon well it's touted now as one of the worst wrestling angles it was (laughs) it was gone yes 
yeah, it was god awful. But me being in, you know, sixth grade, I thought it was like the coolest thing ever. I was like, dude, this guy's got paint on, he's coming out. And at the time I wasn't into any particular music. I just enjoyed collecting the wrestling entrance themes on CD. And my dad happened to notice, he go, I go, what song is that? And he goes, well, that's God of Thunder by Kiss. So I picked up, went to the store and got Destroyer. And I'm like, wait, there's three other guys that dress like him? <laughs> okay, this is awesome. And then that's what kind of drew me to, to Motley Crue, to Guns N' Roses. I mean, you know, I would take a, like Van Halen. I will take a Van Halen, David Lee Roth, Van Halen, uh, Eddie Van Halen, David Lee Roth feud any day of the week over a great record. Because to me, I'm so into that. I'm like, well, did you hear what he said? Did you hear what he said? When are they going to make the new record? I don't care. They're, they're, this feud is awesome. It's an, it's an enticing story, right? Absolutely. Yeah. So that's, yeah, the rock and wrestling connections go hand in hand. And it's having done my podcast now and listening to people talk. Oh, man, the, the similarities in not only the characters, but the actual personalities behind the bands and the wrestlers, you know, they, they go, it's, it's one and one and the same. So yeah, definitely most wrestling fans I run into are rock and roll fans and believe it or not wrestling fans. And I'll even say it like this Van Halen fans, since we're talking mostly about Van Halen, you have your David Lee Roth camp, you have your Sammy Hagar camp, you have the very few individuals like me that like both wrestling goes the same way. And it's pertinent today with, you've got your WWE purists, you've got, rest other fans that like what's called AEW and then you have a few that like me that like both so it's it goes one and one and the same it's true and especially when it comes to Dave and Eddie um that whole feud for so so long right after you know the right after the breakup and everything and I mean the back and forth I mean come on that was that was a classic baby face and the heel thing and I'll <laughs> let other I'll let other people decide to me you know Sammy always came across as the baby face right I mean just they were you know and but to take that a little bit further um I don't know if the Van Halen brothers were the angry Samoans or not but they definitely had sort of a tag team mentality there and you know ultimately kind of ruled the roost with any decisions that were made in that band rightly or wrongly and there's so much we don't know about all that but just the the yeah just as far as an as far as influences it wasn't until, I mean, it wasn't recently, but it was a while back I realized that so many things that I later got into started with started with comics, then evolved into wrestling, which was so, for me, with so many wrestlers coming to life, right? Almost, you know, as far as an evolutionary visual sort of appeal and an action-based appeal. And then from there, what did it go into? It went into rock and roll, this bigger, larger in life stuff. Kiss is a great example, of course, and Van Halen too. And, you know, and even to a degree back then, I mean, Ted Nugent was kind of bigger than life. It was, it was those folks that had, and this is before you saw, you could pull up anything on YouTube. I mean, they jumped out at you from the pages of magazines, which is where I found out what was going on in rock and roll if my radio station didn't play it. And most of the time, they might not have been, my favorite radio station wasn't playing it. So, yeah, back then. Yeah, it's, it's fun. They, they jump out to you. And that's what's always great about David Lee Roth is he just jumps out to you. And I, I, get, I get so frustrated like, on like, him doing the solo thing with opening for Kiss or when he was singing on the last tour he did with Van Halen on a different kind of truth or the live record they put out in 2015. You know, people, oh, man, he sounds so bad. I'm like, go YouTube 1981, like Van Halen. He never sounded good live. That was never the, the caveat of David Lee Roth. You weren't going to get, you know, 
the world-class vocalization of David Lee Roth, you were going to get a show. Yeah, was he going to miss some lyrics and miss some notes? Yeah, but I'm like, that was what was great about it. It's, is it's rock and roll. It's not going to be perfect. And I'm like, David Lee Roth is kind of known as, I've always been attracted to front men like, like that, you know, whether it's Dave where it's, you know, he's coming on stage with the ball of Jack Daniels and, well, good luck. We'll see what kind of show we get. Same thing, <laughs> same thing with Vince Neil. You never know what you're going to get. You know, Guns N' Roses is my favorite band. In their prime, you didn't know if Axel was going to do the show or not. And I'm like, that's half. that was kind of half the fun because that made them seem like bigger than life rock stars. Like, man, I wish I could go play a gig and go, well, the sound's not right. I'm calling it a day. <laughs> it's it's uh, it's the idea of just not fully knowing what's going to happen right i mean do we have to know the ending do we have to know every plot point before we see the story the movie or the rock show or the wrestling card no i mean you know leave a little bit for the imagination live on the edge have a little fun fun with it uh i will see when it, say when it comes to day's vocals one of the things that have driven me crazy over the years is that that his vocals are nowhere near as bad as all the haters that's just the default yeah. But for so many fanboys, they're not not always that good either. I mean, I've I've got uh, hear about later from the the Tokyo live album mm -hmm. on my MP3 player for workouts, and I'm sorry, he fucking that they sound great on it. I, yeah. That song just they they kicked ass in Tokyo, and there's some there's some rough spots, sure, but you know, I mean, it, it granted it is Dave, and I've I've heard him slightly better. I PR press tell you a time that he sounded really God awful to me. I mean, there, I'm sure there's shows out there, but the times that I've seen him solo and with Van Halen, um, with Van Halen since 2007, when I never saw him back in the heyday, um, you know, I mean, it's, it's all relative, I guess. I mean, that'll be, you know, for the life of history now, that'll be the, you know, the, that argument will always continue. It's, it's just like the, just like the, uh, so many arguments you see with whatever storylines are going on with wrestling. <laughs> yeah. I, I just remembered a stupid anecdote that I, I feel the need to uh, document here because we were talking about how there's this big musician wrestler tie-in and you never know who's a fan and who's not a fan and the Eagles have kind of always been the exception to every rule and I mean that in every way possible in terms of decency and humanity and uh, there's this Eagles song called Those Shoes. Do you know that one Steve? I do not. It's, it's kind of a deep cut, but it is exactly the same as this WWF theme song for Razor Ramon from the early 90s. If you were to hear those shoes, you'd go, oh, the Razor Ramon theme. Like, no, 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 that's an Eagles song. It <laughs> verbatim, the same exact song. So I once, uh, about a year ago, year and a half ago, I interviewed Don Felder from the Eagles, who famously co-wrote Hotel California, and will be telling you that every day of his life until he passes, because... <laughs> The Eagles are such nice people. Um, <laughs> I say, by the way, Don, uh, one more question. Uh, what did you think of the Razor Ramon theme song from the WWF that's kind of a rewrite of, of those shoes? And he's like, huh? I don't understand. Well, uh, there was this wrestling entrance theme song. Cause, uh, I was always too busy to watch that stuff. 
I, I just felt the need to document that before <laughs> I ever forget that not every classic rock icon, especially in the Eagles, is a wrestling fan. You're you're a brave man to ask that question because if I had to bet that he wouldn't know what that he would look at you similar similarly to a dog that's just been shown a card trick. I mean, I, you know, you're pretty brave to ask that question of him. Bravo. Thank you. I now, you know, back to you here. <laughs> we were, you, you were talking about essentially how you can like both Sammy and Dave, and it's both an interesting, uh, both of them had interesting trajectories. And before you're talking about how the Hagar catalog maybe doesn't get as much love on the radio, but were you, as a result of being a, ba- a big Van Halen fan, Nick, also a Gary Sharon fan? That's, yeah, that's one. <laughs> I, I couldn't get, you know, being a big Van Halen fan, I just couldn't do it. Like, you know, the, I've listened to Van Halen 3 maybe once or twice, and I go, it's a nice record, but <laughs> that, that's, it's kind of like, it's nice, they tried, but, you know, you know, the, the record that I think gets crapped on a lot is A Different Kind of Truth. Although they recycled old riffs from the 70s, I'm like, well, that's when they were successful. Why is that a big deal that they recycled old stuff and made it? I mean, there's some some gems on there that I, you know, I think there there's some there's some great songs on there. I was just listening to it again over the weekend, and not everything was re- recycled. A good a lot a lot of that stuff was or or kind of repurposed, if you will. But some of that stuff, I mean, "Stay Frosty." Pfft, from lyrics to, and that's actually Dave playing acoustic guitar on the front of that, where I've read a Guitar World or a Guitar Player interview around that time where Eddie said, that's Dave, he's a better guitar, he's a really good guitar player. I mean, coming from Eddie, that says a lot. I mean, that's a that's a damn good album. And that, again, it's, a, it's I think it's kind of the curse of so many veteran acts. The first thing you think of is that, ah, oh, it's not as good as name your favorite album yeah. from when you were in high school or college here sort of thing. but different kind of truth kills. I mean, Dave sounds great. I mean, it does just the production on it, the performances. I mean, you never heard Michael and Eddie do any sort of interplay like Wolf and Eddie do on Chinatown. I mean, no, Chinatown is probably the top. I love Chinatown and I love the, the closing track beats working. I don't know. Yes. It's great song on there. The first, when I heard Chinatown, the first thing I thought of, especially that dueling little bass and, and guitar, I'm like, I wonder if those guys listen to Eat Him and Smile because that was very much like what Sheehan and Sheehan <laughs> yeah. and Vi did on that record in so many cases. I mean, but that shows you the test. I mean, you know, Wolf is right up there as far as how, you know, he can do hammer-ons like Billy Sheehan, for goodness sakes. That guy is amazing. Yeah, you know, Wolf, Wolfie is a very, very good musician. I, I definitely do that. You know, I went and saw, the one time I saw Van Halen was the reunion in 07. And I was a little dis. I actually wasn't even that disappointed in Dave's performance. I thought Dave did a, did a pretty good, decent job. And and this is no fault of Wolfie, but Wolfie was so young live. The the backing vocals just didn't give it the oomph. And it was like you know, especially like yeah. running with the devil or whatever. And somebody get me, somebody get me a doctor. It was like, ah, uh, it's just the choruses just aren't there. Yeah, like, Dave can only do so much. And that was the 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 great thing about Van Halen was those backing harmonies, you know, and it's like without Michael Anthony there, I'm like, Wolfie's trying his best, but he's, he's too young here. I don't think he fully developed in his voice yet. You know, late in the later tour they did, it was like, okay, in the live record, it's like, okay, this is much better. This is more closer to original Van Halen. Yeah. Then that was just a reminder of just how much Michael Anthony added to that band. You just reminded me, there's a video on YouTube. I think it's shot somewhere in Europe, but for whatever reason, 
it was during the Gary Sharon years. Gary wasn't there. They're, they're doing as a trio a version of Somebody Get Me a Doctor. You ever seen this? I'm pretty sure it's Somebody Get with Michael singing lead. And I've, it's, yeah. I've seen on the Hagar reunion tour, I've seen YouTube videos where Michael has sung it. I don't know. And Sammy's kind of on stage, but I have seen where Michael sings Somebody Get Me a Doctor. It's it's amazing. I mean, it just kills. I mean, you'd be hard pressed to fill those shoes as far as backing vocals. I mean, the guy's got just such a voice. And that's another thing, you know, people, I think sometimes people forget that may have been overshadowed by Dave as well as Eddie's guitar. It's just how much Michael Anthony had to that band. I oh. mean, you know, he wasn't just some sort, he wasn't just a tomato can back there. The guy played melodically <laughs> and, and those, I mean, every song, those backing vocals were such a huge part of the hook you know for all for every virtually every single song yeah that and that is so true i mean one of the things being a musician that i guitar player had to sing a little bit so anytime i tried to you know there have been a few times in the studio where producers go okay you're not michael anthony you can't do that so maybe try singing a little bit lower because you're not michael anthony <laughs> right so with apologies if you've already addressed this on an episode of your podcast i gotta ask if you were to have entrance music, what would your entrance music be? And it's okay uh, if it's not a Van Halen or David Lee Roth song. <laughs> That's actually a really good, good question because I've never actually gotten, actually addressed that. And that's a, it's a great one. Guns N' Roses being my favorite band and probably my favorite song from is You Could Be Mine. I would probably come out to You Could Be Mine. I, there's just something about that riff when it kicks in and, and it was in it's in my favorite movie of all time terminator 2 so um, i probably would come out to that because man that's to me that's one of those songs that just hits you and i i always tell people that are getting into rock and roll I'm like go listen to you could be mine i know it's on use your illusion 2 you're probably not gonna like everything else on that record but you're gonna love that song <laughs> absolutely so being respectful of your time here nick thank you so much for being on us uh being being on us? What am I saying? <laughs> being on our show, being with us, opening up about this and that and everything else. So what's the best way or ways that people can find you? Uh, you can find me on all the social media, uh, Twitter at, at, uh, at Nick's R&W Podcast, Instagram, Rock and Wrestling Podcast, uh, Facebook, Nick's Rock and Wrestling Podcast. I'm on all the major podcast platforms, Apple, Google Play, Spotify. You, you just type in Rock and Wrestling Podcast, generally I'm the first one that comes up, but if you have to, slide my name in the front of it and it should pop right up. So, I mean, I've talked to everybody from Tony Schiavone to Eric Bischoff. I've had uh, Rudy Sarzo on, uh, as we mentioned, Steve Brown. So I've had a who's who from wrestling world, rock and roll world, and everybody in between. It keeps getting better. The guests keep getting better. So keep it up. I appreciate that. That means a lot coming from you. Uh, you flatter. Steve, anything <laughs> we missed? I, I just love talking to you, man. I'd love to have you back on again. I'm, I'm going to tune into your podcast, and uh, this is a lot of fun. Thanks for being here. Yeah, I have to come back on. I'll have to break down one of the Van Halen uh, early records, song by song. Love it. Exactly. Best wishes, and we'll speak to you soon, Nick. Thank you. <laughs>